Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clean. And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Welcome, everyone, to episode 206 of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Toporek, and today we're going to talk about Zion Williamson's injury, what it means for the NCAA, the NBA's one-and-done rule, all that good stuff. We're also going to talk about Jeff Van Gundy wanting to eliminate the All-Star game. And DeMarcus Cousins starting to get a little frustrated with his role and play as of late. Before we get into all that, a reminder that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handles to give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. And we're now being hosted on Spreaker, so check them out on Twitter at Spreaker. Joining me today is not my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. He's actually feeling a little under the weather, so we'll have him back on the next episode. Instead, we have a special guest, Josh Eberly, a writer at NBA Canada. Uh, so, Josh, how's it going, man? Uh, it's going well. It's going well. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, before we get underway, let our <laughs> listeners know where they can find you on Twitter and where else they can find your work. Yeah, I'm, I'm on Twitter at Josh Eberly, and, and most of my stuff would either go to Hoop or, or to NBA Canada, so you can find me there. And uh, Yeah, and I got my own my own podcast, so Hot Takes and Shot Fakes, also on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all, all, all the works. The works. Nice. Yeah, so give give Josh a follow. He's a really good, good, entertaining guy to follow on Twitter. I love the lines of the night, even though I harass you every time Joel Embiid's not in it. Uh, all right, Josh. Let, so I think we need to start with... Zion Williamson, since that was really, you know, the big story of the week, in part because the NBA didn't come back till Thursday night. So we're just getting our feet wet and teams are playing like garbage. So there's not a whole lot to talk about on the NBA side of things. But Wednesday night, uh, it's Duke UNC. Tickets are going for like three grand a pop. Zion, within the first minute, plants wrong, blows out his shoe suffers what looked like a very bad injury at first like he grabbed the his knee right away and like everyone was just like oh god like did this kid just blow out his knee like ruin his draft stock thankfully it turned out to be only like a grade one knee sprain he's day-to-day seems like he should be fine it will have no impact on his draft stock whatsoever uh but naturally you know in that 12 20-hour vacuum or however long we went without knowing the severity of the injury, that led to really, it sounds like a perfect thing for your podcast, a lot of hot takes about, (laughs) you know, what Zion should do for his future and then kind of what it means for both the NCAA and the NBA. So first, I mean, what was your first reaction when you saw Zion go down without knowing how bad the injury was? Uh, This this might be the wrong wrong thing to say or to think, but in the moment it was very much... Did he did he just blow a shoe? Like like <laughs> I, like I wasn't even worried about the injuries. Like how is that possible? Like yeah. I've still been thinking about like what did how did he land with what kind of force to make a shoe explode? Like that's rather <laughs> impressive. Like that's back up I'm thinking back to like Shaq actually destroying rims and and glass on backboards for the last time something that powerful happened in the game. But um yeah, just obviously worry for the kid and then the conversation on Twitter, I you know what I it seems hot takey, but it really does seem straightforward when you stop trying to spin it into what he is or isn't and just look at the best thing for his future. Mm-hmm. And for, I don't, for, for myself, I was like, there, there's no reason for him to ever play at Duke again. And, and, I, and there are a ton of arguments coming from a lot of people, and we can go through those one by one and some of the spin that was, was being thrown out there. But at the end of the day, if you're looking at what's best for this kid and his future, and, and, and for him financially, it's not to play at Duke again. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, like, I think part of it is, like, Zion has said he would have gone to college even if the one-and-done rule didn't exist. So, like, this is an individual decision for every player. Uh, and we can, we'll get into the one-and-done stuff shortly since there is some news on that front this week as well. Um, but I wanted, I think that we almost, like, lost the forest through the trees with the whole Zion thing, at least on Twitter, um, because a lot of it was, you know, like, should this kid come back? Should he not? Uh, it's up to him. Like, he should do whatever makes him happy. He knows the risk, obviously, but, you know, part of the problem is the one-and-done rule existing. Like, there's no reason this kid shouldn't have been able to just go to the NBA right out of high school. Um, And then people were rightfully pointing out, well, you know, Duke has in some ways benefited him because he was, like, the number five prospect coming out of high school. So that, that does beg the question of, had the one and done rule not existed, where would he have gone in the draft last year? Like, would he have been a top five pick? He would, he would not have been the consensus number one overall pick, most likely. So, in theory, going to Duke helped him in that regard. But as you said, like financially, there is no reason. I mean, this kid's looking at forty million dollars. You know, realistically, at least forty million dollars come June, and if he suffers. Like, most likely, the, he is so far ahead of everyone else in his class that, God forbid, even if he did suffer a major injury, I still think he would probably go number one. But at least that raises the element of the doubt that, you know, like, do you really want to test that? Like, do you really want to risk tearing your Achilles? Like, all right, here you go. Am I still the number one pick? I I don't know. Yeah, yeah. There, I mean, there are some layers there, and like, fine. Give some credence to to the conversation that Duke boosted his draft stock some. You know, on every board I was looking at before the year, he was top three, top four, mm-hmm. and and him going to one, yeah, absolutely. But I think this is this is a process of what was available, more so than Duke. Like, I mean, if, if the move right now and what was cool and what had been done by you know the prior generation was to go to the G League or go to Europe. I think he still boosts his stock playing wherever he's playing because that's where people would have been, that's where people would eventually be watching, and I mean that's another conversation. But if he if this injury had been more serious, as you said, if he tore his Achilles, if he if he tore his MCL, and he did fall to five or he did fall to six or there was some real real concern and maybe became like a Michael Porter situation where like we're not sure he's going to play at all next year then he does cost himself some money and and maybe he doesn't come back you know not everyone rehabs the same is the same player after an injury like that it it is a small chance no one's saying like if he plays in the tournament for Duke he's guaranteed going to hurt himself but but why would you risk that when you're getting Getting no, be- there is no benefit to his professional career to play six or seven more games at Duke. That at the end of the day, right? Yeah, and Boogie Cousins even came out and said that afterward. He he said like the NCAA is BS. Like it, he, it, Zion is the only one not profiting off of Zion right now, which is unfair. So it is, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's kind of like when I mentioned you know losing the forest through the trees. Like that's where my mind went was look there there are a lot of arguments you know a lot of people over the years have said like all right just pay the athletes and i love that idea in theory but that particular idea is very tricky to execute because for one you have title nine to worry about which prohibits discrimination on the basis of sex so if you you cannot just pay football and men basketball players and not pay any female athletes that like would just not be allowed it would be sued to oblivion um but those are the two sports by and large that are the only revenue generating sports and you know colleges have come out and said like these these are the reasons we can offer all of the these other sports that don't make us money because we're making so much money off of these but you know then we don't have enough money to pay the players so that like the pay the players argument i get it but it is trickier than i think a lot of people acknowledge right off the bat that said there is no reason at all that players should not be able to profit off of their likeness you can sign sign autographs appear in ads whatever there's no reason because the only thing that you're like you can let male and female athletes do it it comes at no cost to the university the only cost to the university is that nike is paying the athlete instead of paying the player or paying the school maybe so like i guess that's a consideration but aside from that, like, you know, I could see a school arguing, 
well, yeah, you know, some shady booster is going to pay my athlete like $100,000 to appear for one day and sign autographs. But, like, we we clearly know that stuff is happening now. The FBI had a huge investigation that revealed all kinds of shady stuff like that. Like, kids are getting money to go to certain schools already. Let's just, like, put it above the table so at least you can track it a little better. And, and, just, and just, I don't, maybe... It's just a, a, a victim of tradition or, I mean, what's so bad about that? I mean, if some shady booster wants to have Zion come out and sign kicks for an hour at his coffee shop or at his tech store or wherever, I mean, what do we care? What is what, Why does the NCAA care? Does that cheapen the sport? Does that lessen the product? If anything, it's extra marketing for a star in your league. So, I, I mean, we're just behind the times. And, and I agree with you. Uh, there we both know the the NCAA basketball and football would be the lion's share of the coin. But mm-hmm. there is a way where you could do revenue sharing, just like the NFL does, just like the NBA does, where, okay, 10% of total profit is going to go to player salaries, and the majority of that will go to male or men's football and basketball players because they bring in that money and, and, and those TV deals, et cetera. But you could still take a portion of that 10% and spread that around to all athletes so that you know everybody gets a piece and then at least... You know, there, there's some authenticity to it, and there would be less of this cry for why our players not getting paid. I mean, there are things that the NCAA could have done to combat this t- to some degree, and the likeness thing is the easiest call. I, I just don't, but that doesn't seem to be an interest from their side to, to give up any piece of the pie. Right, right, which is, yeah, as you said, like, there is no harm to it. I mean, I, I guess... Some schools, like some mid-major schools, would say, okay, well, that just gives Duke and Kentucky even more of an advantage in recruiting over us because they can, you know, now they could just legally give or, like, legally set up meetings with these big boosters. Like, Oregon, with Nike right there, will just have Nike funneling money to our players. And, like, you know, a Davidson or a BYU is never going to be able to compete with that. But... Like, Duke and Kentucky are getting all the top-tier recruits anyway. Like, Duke yeah. had the top three recruits of this year's class. It's like, it's already the world we live in, right? I mean, and that's why, honestly, like, on the broader conversation here, I think that's why the G League is the, the natural path over the next 10 years. I, I just think we eventually get rid of the rule where there's some, you know, like right now the, the salary is, what, 110000 is what they're being offered for select yeah. players? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eventually we, we, we get rid of that. The one and done rule goes away, and eighteen-year-old players who are good but not good enough, like they're not the Zion's, they're not the Barretts, go to the G League and they make the three hundred and something k, and that league becomes its own television package, and everyone watches that too because the top players will eventually go there to get money above board, and it just takes a few players to see the light there and for the league to to ease off and you know raise that money a little bit and i think that will be over the next 10 years we'll see the g league just become the natural first step rather than the ncaa but you know uh it's gonna take time yeah right it it definitely would take you know a couple guys have gone that route but it, it i think it would take like some real big name trailblazers and then like you just need to keep building upon that foundation instead of these like one-off cases basically yeah, for sure. And there is something too, like the generation before you, you know, like you watched these famous NBA players go to these colleges and you heard about Jordan at UNC and, you know, like you, you want to you go and follow that path and do your own thing and you're a kid and, and college is exciting, but at the end of the day, they go and they take sports med or they take whatever and they fill <laughs> a year of credits and right. it's like, it's, they're not getting anything out of it and all those people, well, what about the scholarships? Are scholarships worth nothing? I'm like, to take eight bogus courses over the course of a year knowing what it is like it, i mean there it's it's just been a phony conversation for a long time and you know with zion hurting himself this weekend i kept seeing like well why would he play well maybe because he loves the game and his teammates i'm like i hate that argument because he doesn't hate the game or he doesn't not love the game because he wants to protect his future take care of his family and get what's owed to him as an entertainer as an athlete that that, that no other profession are like well if you if you take a raise or you you protect yourself, you want to feed yourself in the future. You certainly don't love what you do. Like that. Right. it's just a stupid conversation, <laughs> right? Yeah, and we've like reached the point in college football, at least, when these kids sit themselves out of bowl games, and now everyone's like, "Yeah, that's smart." They, why would you incur the risk? You see, like a Jalen Smith a couple years ago, 
like blows up his knee, falls to the second round, misses an entire year, and is like just now rounding back into form. Like that was a risk he didn't need to take. And now I think other guys have seen that and are like, oh, okay, this is dumb. I'm going to make millions of dollars soon. Why would I subject myself to the one biggest risk between now and my gigantic payday? Like I, I understand. Like maybe, maybe if the one and dones didn't exist, Zion still would have gone to college. Maybe he doesn't care about getting paid. Like we'll just go ahead and pretend that he's not getting some money under the table. I'm sure yeah. everything <laughs> is just hunky dory and Duke right now. But I don't know. I, I just think even if Zion is the case where he really doesn't care and like he, he really is that motivated to come back and win a title. Like I don't think. That's the case for every single player, and I think like holding them to this standard is just kind of dumb. Like as you said, it's not a lack of love for the game. The kid's literally gonna play in the NBA for the next fifteen years. Like he's gonna devote his entire professional career to playing basketball. He clearly loves the game. It's just like he also wants to get that forty million locked in before something tragic happens. And he saw probably saw that forty million flash before his eyes on Monday night. Yeah, and he also wants to do it for the rest of his life. Like, money aside, like, what if the 1% chance that he tore his Achilles and he's never the same player? And we had all these conversations with DeMarcus Cousins about, you know, uh, who, who, how many people have come back stronger from Achilles or on par? And it was like Dominique Wilkins and one other person. I think Tom Haberstroh did a piece on it. But mm-hmm. it's like, what if? It, it's not even just the money. It's like now he can't do this the rest of his life. Now he has to continue on with four credits in, in sports med and <laughs> American history and drama and uh, Roman Greek history 305. And maybe I'm talking about my undergrad here. I don't know. But, <laughs> I, there but, was a public speaking class at Georgetown that was very popular with all the basketball players. Yeah, no doubt. And it, it's, it's just silly. It, I mean, it's, it's just silly. And the conversation and then just like all the spin off of it from college people who are flailing because, yeah. you know, the NCAA can say whatever they want. The, the, the diehard college guys don't want to watch Zion and, and bear in the G League. They, right. they, don't, they don't want that. And right. it's like, oh, stop pretending you love this kid. I'm like, no one's pretending they love him or, um, you know, have some personal insight to his life. It's just like a really simple numbers equation that everyone who isn't invested in the college game is like, yeah, this seems like protect $40 million or not protect $40 million. Like, <laughs> right. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, and like Darren Rovell tweeted that he has a loss of value insurance policy for like $8 million, but it doesn't even kick in unless he falls to 16. The difference in salary, I looked it up between one and 16 in the first year alone is like $6 million. And I think he said it, the full $8 million doesn't even convey unless he fell in the second round. So like he would he would still lose a F ton of money even with the loss of value policy. The whole conversation. It was just tiresome. It was like I I don't know. I, I just think we we shouldn't like whatever Zion wants to do, that's cool by me. It's his choice. I'm not gonna like sit and tell him how to live his life, but I, I, I don't think we should shame kids for wanting to protect themselves. No, yeah, absolutely. I I think we're we're of the same mind here. And like, if if Zion was really like, man, I love Duke and I love this team and I love Coach K and RJ and Cameron my are my guys for life and I, I can't sit this out. No one would berate him for that, but we'd be like, man, I really hope nothing terrible happens because that would be unfortunate for you. But like, no one's gonna like yell at him and be like, oh no, you're making a terrible mistake. <laughs> right. It's just like it's the neutral observers who aren't college basketball fans who are like, well, it seems like an unnecessary risk for, and and who which Nets player? This is I had this on my mind. There was a Nets player when everything was going down with DeAndre Ayton last year, who um, it was like forty one dollars or something. That someone paid for him to have like food on the road that oh, they shouldn't have. Yeah, was it? Oh man, was it Dinwiddie? Was it Dinwiddie? It, it was. I don't know. It was somebody on the Nets, and it was like they got a hot meal on yeah. the road, and yeah. the NCAA wanted that money back. Right. And I was like, everyone's gonna sing this song, and then we're gonna find out that uh, somebody bought Zion a footlong from Subway. <laughs> right. <laughs> he's going to be under investigation from the FBI because that's not a gross misallocation of cash. And yeah. then we're going to have this conversation again and talk about how stupid it is. Like, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Duke, Duke's entire season is going to get wiped out or have an asterisk set to it, just like the Derrick Rose season in Memphis. 
He's going to walk through a hotel and get like a carabiner with someone's marketing <laughs> info on it. Did you pay for that carabiner? Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back to school styles for kids and baby. Get flip flops for two bucks, graphic tees for four bucks, shorts for six dollars, and jeans for eight dollars. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid size prices. Just two, four, six, and eight dollars. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and Old Navy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in store clear. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. There's that. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I think this is actually a perfect way to segue into the one and done rule because I think that's another big part of it. Um, like again, if the one and done rule didn't exist, I don't know that we see Zion Williamson in college or see R.J. Barrett or see Cam Radish in college. And what what appears to be a coincidence or is allegedly a coincidence is that a day after the Zion injury happens. Jeff Zilgate of USA Today comes out and says the NBA has submitted a proposal to the uh, Players Association that would lower the draft eligible age to 18 from 19, which would effectively, as far as I know, eliminate the one-and-done rule or come. I mean, I guess there could be some 17-year-olds in high school that would have to still take a gap year, but would at least create more of a pathway for kids to go right from high school to college. Yeah, and... Uh, you know, I, the Jonathan Abrams book about the mm-hmm. history of the one and done and, and kids coming from from school. I mean, there were a lot of sad cases early on, but in the 2000s, we had a lot of success stories. And um, I don't know, like at the end of the day, let's say you're someone with a year of college who would have benefited um, from a year of college and moved up the draft board to say five and you started at 22. Is going to a playoff team with playoff coaching and veterans really a worse situation i don't i don't think it is like this this rule should exist for so many reasons but the the constant argument that kids aren't ready and would benefit from you know being the star on their own team and college coaching i just don't even know if that holds water in the grand scheme right yeah i mean part of me because i read that abram's book too and like you're right there there were a lot of really tragic stories about kids who were hyped up and you know got drafted somewhat high and then just busted out because they weren't mature enough to land in the league but i also wonder you know that was what like almost 15 years ago at this point like i I feel like teams have just gotten smarter about player development over that time like i think they're they're better equipped to realize like all right you know this kid he's not going to be a franchise savior at this age like you're not you're just not going to find that many prospects who are ready coming out of high school to come in and be like a top option on your team. I mean, even a guy like DeAndre Ayton came, you know, he spent a year in college. He's the number one pick. The Suns are effing terrible, but like, (laughs) that's fine. Like, that's totally fine. Like, that's almost expected. If you're getting that high of a pick, you're probably a very bad team and you're probably not (laughs) in a position to win right away. And like, you just got to let these young kids take their lumps. No one's calling... DeAndre ate in the bust, or I hope. I haven't seen anything. I mean, I guess... No one, in, no one intelligent. No one yeah. intelligent. <laughs> I guess Luca's kind of overshadowed him the whole year. But, you know, he, like, he's putting up numbers. He's playing well. It's just he's on a terrible team. So, yeah, I mean, I do wonder if, like, the player development angle, especially with the G League, as you mentioned, like, part of me wonders if the, the solution to, like, all of these overarching problems is you let the kids come out of high school, they get drafted, they get their full rookie scale salary, but then you could just push them in the G League all year if they're not ready. Yeah, absolutely. Add a third round to the draft, mm-hmm. and 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 let guys get stashed. I mean, look at baseball. Look at hockey. That that there are top ten picks that don't come into the league for for years, and it's not because they're a bust or not because there isn't faith from the organization or any of that. It's just okay, their bodies aren't ready. They're not physically ready, but they have a gift and. We're going to work on that, and they're going to have, you know, elite pros-type coaching, but we're going to 
have it in our system and we're going to have, you know, a say in how in they live their life and, and give them direction and, and hook them up with veterans and do all the things we can do as an organization to make them successful rather than they hope that somewhere else does it for us and then take a chance on them. I mean, why not? And then those kids get make more money out of the gates too. Um, I talked to Kwame Brown a couple of years ago, who is another uh, guy who, you know, came out of high school, might not have been ready had a tough career, a lot of pressure for Michael Jordan to <laughs> succeed, of all people to succeed. Yeah. And I asked him, I was like, you know, if you could go back and do it again, like, do you think you would go to college and take a few years? And would that help you have, would that have helped you be a better NBA player? And he was like, no, absolutely not. Like, <laughs> I, of course not. Like, I, I got to go play with Michael Jordan and I made a lot of money. Like, it's still the right decision. All kids should be able to have that option. I'm like, there's a horror story by all accounts. Like, that's not how he saw his career going. Didn't accomplish, I'm sure, anything close to what people hoped for him. But it was still the best deal on the table. And at the end of the day, he got to make millions and play in the NBA. So, I mean, not the worst bad outcome. Right. Yeah, I think that's my favorite reductive argument is like, oh, well, these kids benefit from college because they get to go under the tutelage of a Mike Krzyzewski and they learn so much and they get to develop in a, like, they have a college weight training coach and it's like what do you think they're gonna do in the nba like in college they have to pretend to care about classes and like they still have to go to classes they have to devote some of their time not to basketball like in the nba it's their job they could spend all day playing basketball get like working with professional weight trainers and strength development coaches and have a diet plan created just for them like comparing a college training staff to a professional nba training staff is absurd Oh, it's nuts. And I mean, like the dietitians, biofeedback workers, um, facilities at all times. We're, we're only a few years removed from, from like a massive scandal about players talking about how hungry they are on the right. road. Right. Like, I mean, no, <laughs> there's no shortage of food being offered to NBA. Like, it's an insane argument. And I think about, I'm trying to think who wrote the piece um, for ESPN. And it's escaping me right now. So I feel bad. But he wrote a piece about Michael Jordan. Um, on his 50th birthday and in it there was like a really heavy part of the column talking about you know he was at Michael's you know parents place and he was cleaning out you know a safe and there was a bunch of letters that he'd sent back and forth to his parents when he was at UNC and in them he was talking about how every letter he signed off with like I'm always hungry can you send like food food vouchers and stuff and I'm like Michael Jordan went hungry in college. <laughs> and I know that's a long time ago. I'm not saying it's like that everywhere today, but I'm like, right. that's insane. That just doesn't happen when you're making millions of dollars playing in the NBA. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, like, as long as you don't go to the Sixers, who will, like, poison you if you have some sort of peanut slash sesame allergy that they all know about. Or just, like, if you're a rookie, just don't go to the Sixers in general. Because, like, an increasingly weird series of circumstances will happen to you. And I really don't know what could possibly be weirder than a thoracopy because you have a sesame allergy that no one knows about, but we're, we've gone from Markel Fultz's shoulder to now Zaire Smith, which makes me like, I hope they just trade away their 2019 first round pick. Like just spare someone of that indignity. The Sixers leave this uncomfortable zone around the line. We're like, can we make these jokes? And <laughs> there are, these things are happening, but like, Oh man, this is, it feels weird to be like whoever they draft is going to play for at least one year. Like, uh, you know, at this point it's like set in stone. Like <laughs> I, I think the last one, Oh, I guess uh, TLC actually probably made it through the whole year, but like, it's like him and Okafor played 50 games. And then like everyone else, just some weird circumstance. And it just keeps getting weirder every year. So I, I'm almost happy they got rid of their 2020 first round during the Tobias Harris trade. That means we get one more healthy player in the next season. <laughs> whoever writes the book on the last 10 years of the Sixers, whether that's Bodner or whoever, it's just going yeah. to be amazing. Amazingly oh, yeah. terrible in the most... <laughs> awesome way as a non Sixers fan, but for yourself, I don't know. It might be might be a horrifying it's experience. Be, yeah, more painful than not. When you, I think the chapters about the Colangelo era and the medical staff will make me just like tear those oh. pages out and burn them afterward. But yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, so on the one and done stuff. It sounds like it's gonna happen. They're they're eyeing twenty twenty two apparently. Um, yeah. And Zilgit said they, they want to give ta teams ample time to prepare for the change. Um, they're hoping to reach an agreement in the next few months. I think, I mean, it sounds like there's some serious momentum going in this direction. But it, 
it is interesting. Like, if they don't agree to it by the draft or even before by July 1st, like, teams are already starting to trade 2022 picks away. And, like, now that adds a little something extra to the equation. Like, I wonder how many picks we see this summer. Like, how many teams are gunning for 2022 picks in general? Because, in theory, like, this is the double draft. Like, this is the one where you're going to have, you know, the best prospect from high school and all the ones coming out of college that would normally be coming out. So, in theory, this is going to be, you know, who knows? Like, we never know the strength of a draft class three years down the road. But, like, yeah. in theory, this should be the deepest draft class in a long time. Yeah, and, I mean, you do what you can. and But I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly, if we could do it sooner, I would just do it sooner. Like, I know it's a strategic advantage for those tanking teams. Um, but no, are we really that worried about the Knicks and Suns getting an extra crack at? <laughs> There's a reason these teams have been Minnesota, Sacramento, good for them this year, but have been in the lottery for a decade. Like, it, there's organizational issues but yeah at the end of the day let's get these kids in the league let's let's leave that option open let's continue to develop the g league i really do think um a functioning g league that that not only is an option but that people are proud of and starts to draw in fans and names will really change a lot of this for teams like everyone having an affiliate and it being a viable option and not seem seen as some sort of demotion but rather a chance to improve and be part of something from an earlier age. I, mm-hmm. I think that's the way. Yeah, I, and I think a lot of it, as you said before, it's like you just need to have some bigger-name players in there, and if you have these guys, if you have these first-round picks who don't view it as a demotion, and most of them or all of them at least spend some ch- time in the G League, I think that will draw in some interest because then you get to see, like, all right, this is in theory the next generation of my team like i should be interested in this it's it's the balance of then like well if a team spends a first round pick if you spend the number one overall pick like your fans are going to want to see that player in action right away like it you know you're you're selling hope usually especially with the number one overall pick like that guy's supposed to change your franchise you know barring something anthony bennett-esque um but like even even yeah. in Andrew Wiggins, like he has not lived up to expectations, but like he was he did it theoretically change the trajectory of the Timberwolves <laughs> franchise. So, well, yeah, uh, you know, like I guess this is the positive for RJ Barrett. Him no longer going number one takes that that pressure <laughs> that onus off his shoulders to just yeah. develop and be a good player without the worries that Bennett Wiggins faced. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is he going to take over the Maple Jordan? moniker from wiggins oh yeah wiggins is big dead to a lot of canadians Uh, (laughs) not coming out for the national team after his first year in the league which is the biggest cuff in the face oh yeah and there's been a lot since then you know he's he he's very uh he doesn't get the same coverage but there's been some manipulative tactics from his camp so yeah wiggins lack of production and some of the other stuff that's gone on the national team yeah everyone's moved on to jamal murray there was like a push for Shea gilgis alexander earlier in the year so barrett barrett is barrett would have to be terrible not to inherit the throne he'd have to be just awful (laughs) (laughs) oh poor andrew wiggins there's more also uh not the biggest andrew wiggins fan out there so this podcast has not had many nice (laughs) things to say about him i still believe if if he turned it around if he if he turned it around and i i think he'd have to go somewhere else but if he turned it around became a good player and he came out for team canada i would flip back in a heartbeat because (laughs) i i saw this kid in the gym when he was like 16 and was so ready to believe that canada had his next star coming but yeah, he's cut me. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles excludes in-store clearance. At ACE, we believe there's nothing better than helping kids. That's why we've been proud to support Children's Miracle Network Hospitals for over 25 years. 
This Friday through Sunday, get our five-gallon bucket and 20% off almost anything that fits inside when you donate $5 to support Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. And like Ace, CMN Hospitals are local, so the money you donate helps kids near you. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. Offer valid at participating stores on regular price merchandise only. Additional conditions and exclusions apply. See store for details. Deep. He's hurt me too many times before. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I want to transition to our next topic and talk about something that Andrew Wiggins is probably not going to sniff for a while. The All-Star Game. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Because Moritz sent me this link the other day with comments from Jeff Van Gundy. And, you know, it was like, Jeff Van Gundy has an idea on how to fix the All-Star game. Get rid of it. He called it a bastardization of the game that is beautiful to watch. He said, you can be a Division Three player like myself and be All-Star MVP. All you have to do is drive in and shoot a layup. So his idea is that you would, he would name All-Stars. They would have All-Star weekend. But then they just wouldn't play a game. Because he would, he's particularly cited the number of threes they shot. I guess they shot a record 167 threes, and he called that an embarrassment. So, I wanted to get your take on Jeff Van Gundy's solution to All Star Game. Well, so <laughs> Jeff Curmudgeon Van Gundy. Yeah, um, <laughs> he's not totally wrong. Like I, I what he cited the three pointers. It's the lack of effort. It's the lack of intensity. It's not the shot selection. It's not the fact that they're trying to throw down. It's just it's just the lack of effort, and it does suck. I mean, I won't lie. I, I this is the first time in fourteen years where I haven't watched the whole All Star Game. I just couldn't be into it. I watched the first little bit of the first quarter, and I came back for the last ten minutes. It, it just I it's just, it's just not fun. It it, it isn't fun. Uh, but at the end of the day, like we're not going to scrap it. Like these guys like it. It's become. It's become a who's who of the NBA, just at the Team USA camps. It's a chance for players to talk about their future. Um, it is fun. It's fun for media. It's fun for the players. The break is necessary. So, we're, I mean, All-Star Week in a whole staying. I, I do wish there was a way to incentivize the game somehow where we could watch the best 24 players in the league, in theory, really play a real game. And, you know, like... We talk about, I don't want to be hypocritical because we talk about Zion getting hurt. And, and there is, mm-hmm. it would suck to get hurt, someone seriously get hurt in an all-star game and that potentially have, you know, ramifications for their season. But these guys play, you know, real tough games in the gyms in the summer. They go to Rucker Park. I mean, the chances of a guy getting hurt in an all-star game, especially guys playing like, when when you can thin the bench and everyone can play, you know, 15 to 20 minutes. And it's, it's. We should be able to get a product, better product than we do, and I sympathize there. But like the bastardization of the game, <laughs> like all of the over-the-top rhetoric, it, it's too much. But I, I do, I am with them. I wish there was something that we could feasibly do because all of the solutions that get pros every year, and I do it, and we all blog about it. Like they're just there hasn't really been a realistic solution yet. Right. Yeah. Like it's. So far, they tried throw more money at them, but it turns out when you're making 150 or 200 million dollars, like a million dollar bonus just doesn't do it for you. I don't even know how much the bonus is. I don't even know if it's a million dollars anymore. Um, it like you could go the award home court advantage route, but that's terrible. No, I don't think anyone's. I hope no one is actively campaigning on that because that's the worst idea. <laughs> Like, especially because there's not even a West versus East anymore. It's just Team LeBron versus Team whatever, Team Giannis, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, like, All-Star Weekend, I think basketball Twitter needs to remember that it's not for us. Like, the whole NBA season is for us. Like, the regular season is for us. Like, a random, you know, like, Kings-Warriors game, which is super fun every time, that's for us. And that's, like, any games on League Pass are for us. Like, All-Star Weekend's for kids. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Like, the dunk contest is for kids. Everyone hates the dunk contest because you're not 12 years old anymore. But if you were 12 (laughs) and you saw, like, Hamadou Diallo dump over Shaquille O'Neal, you lose your, you know, you lose your marbles. Like, it's it's just fun. It's supposed to be fun. And, like, yeah, I, I wish, too, that we could get a more competitive game. But, like, we see that in the Olympics every four years like we do uh, see do we uh, 
I mean, they they try harder. Like Team USA actually tries at the Olympics. I don't know. There's sometimes. Not a, yeah, there's not a like a comparable amount of when, talent on yeah. the other side is the problem. Yeah. but you know, we we do we do see that caliber of play like actually try on defense, which you could not necessarily say the All Star game. You, you say that, but then I'm thinking back. I'm like, well, Matthew Delvadova, Patty Mills, and Andrew Bogut yeah, making a true. making a game competitive should just never happen. <laughs> but uh, no, but like I'm with you. And and honestly, though, this year, like everyone craps on the dunk contest. I poo pooed the dunk contest a lot the last ten years, um, and I came up with Vince making the dunk contest great again. But mm-hmm. th- that Diallo dunk was great. Like, I, I was on the couch tweeting about how bored I was, like everyone else being a Twitter NBA Twitter snob. But when, when Diallo dunked, when he honey-dipped over Shaq, I was excited. That yeah. was a great, great dunk. So, like, I think people have to be a little bit more open to, like, let yourself be wowed if you can still be wowed. Like, you don't have to hold the position of we can do better when something great actually happens. Because right. that was a great dunk. Like, my students, I, you know, teaching grade six, they thought that was a great dunk. I thought that was a great dunk. That was objectively a great dunk. Was the contest on the whole great? No. But was that dunk great? Yeah. And and I think I think there's something to what you said. I would love to see something like maybe there's a scheduling advantage. You know, like mm-hmm. maybe um, the team's of the players and it's it's harder now that's not west east right because the teams of the players the next year when the nba makes the schedule um is is guaranteed no back-to-backs or so i don't know just something like maybe there's just something what do you want like maybe just ask them has anyone sat down with the players you didn't be like what would make you care like what would make you sit down with michelle roberts the new vps uh jaylen brown uh who else was voted in Uh, bisbeck biombo Bismack Biombo, sit down with all the all the player VPs and all the reps and, and ask, like, what would make you guys actually compete? Mm-hmm. And just see, like, has that conversation happened yet? Like, you want to assume yes, but, but but maybe not, you know? I don't know. Right. Yeah, I think, like, Chris Paul met with Michelle Roberts a couple of years ago, and I think that's what led to the whole scrapping the East versus West thing. But, like, yeah, I mean, look, they, they made – Real progress this year. Last year we didn't get the All Star Draft televised. This year we did, and it was great. Like it was next yeah, it year. Was next year we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm assuming the genie is out of the bottle with like televising the draft. Next year maybe we get it during All Star Weekend, which I know some people have been saying would be fun. Like just have a literal playground style draft with all the players on the court. Because oh you get yeah, yeah, you, know, you get to see yeah. some real yeah yeah yeah. But like I thought this year was like. Just having the inside the NBA panel was fun, and like Charles Barkley had a few just phenomenal jokes in there. I it it was fun. I I would be down for the play. I would love to see the reactions. Scrap the celebrity game. I don't need to see any more yeah. YouTube bloggers playing <laughs> yeah. against watch players and celebrities. Like half the time through a celebrity game, I'm like, who is that? Like, who, yeah. if I don't know who they are, are they celebrity? Like, I don't right. know. But um, uh, but you scrap that and give us like get all the players out have a ceremony, have a concert, have a party, and then do the all-star draft on stage. And then we can yeah. watch, like, everyone's face when Giannis takes Chris Middleton first of the reserves <laughs> right, and, like, all right. that. And ben, when Ben Simmons and Russell Westbrook got traded and had to, like, <laughs> switch sides on the stage. I mean, that'd uh, be great TV. I'd be into that for sure. I'm still yeah. mad about that. I, I, I will never forgive Giannis for putting Ben Simmons on uh, Team Tamper. <laughs> team, yeah, Team Tamper. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I would love the, the E60 on LeBron's hotel room. Yeah, <laughs> uh, with the fine bottles from his wine estate and the PowerPoint production that him and right. Clutch made for all of his fellow All Stars. <laughs> yeah, come to Los Angeles and right. LeBron. Do we have to do this? I don't know. If we should be. No, 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 no. This is my team. This is my yeah. team. Yeah, he's like, did you not watch the All Star Draft? I said tampering rules do not apply on All Star weekends. It's true though. Team USA camps and All Star weekend are tamper free zones. I think. Yeah, anything, I... anything flies. Yeah. Well, did you see the? Did you not see the Kyrie Irving video, which then he <laughs> got super mad about? Which also, man, like I haven't had a chance. We're going to discuss that on my podcast later today. But what do you, what do you, what do you expect? Like, should people right. be taking videos of NBA players when they're having private conversations? No, it's not ethical. However, like anyone that sees you is going to do that. That's the era we live in. You, you should know better. I honestly mm-hmm. do not pity NBA players who make millions of dollars playing basketball because fans are interested in what what they're doing, where they're going to go. Like, it's part of the gig. You should have known better. And for him to freak out like that is just like, it's hilarious too because once yeah. again like, he could have just shut down. 
we were talking about this. I'm still committed to the Boston Celtics. Would have ended mm-hmm. those questions, but instead he led the dog and pony show, and, and here we are. Like, <laughs> Right. Like yeah. Both of these guys have been super sketchy about their intentions. Like Kyrie came out early in the year and said, I plan on resigning, and then like recently it was like, ask me July 1st, which does not <laughs> did not inspire a lot of confidence in his earlier statements. So like they've been sketchy for months about what they're going to do. Of course there's major interest in like, two top 10, top 15 players who could really shift the paradigm of the league. Like if KD leaves the Warriors and Kyrie leaves the Boston Celtics, they both go to the Knicks, which, you know, he's holding up his two fingers. Like everyone read into that as him saying the Knicks have two max slots. And, um, yeah, I, I think that's what they were talking about too. People were like, oh, that's not, I think it was. And and they could say that. Honestly, I wouldn't mind the transparency approach. Yeah, you know, we, we were at All-Star Weekend and we were talking about how much fun it would be to play together like we have on Team USA and what we could do, and it would be cool. And we don't know if that's going to happen, but it's definitely something we thought about. Okay, yeah, we all aren't stupid. We knew you were thinking about it. Like, we've been all thinking about it. But but just don't get mad at people for wanting to know all of the, the best league and this league. And, like, it's all about player movement. It's not even about the games anymore. Like, we know Golden State is winning the fatalistic approach, as you said. People aren't interested in that. People aren't interested in, like, Who's going to win the second round? Like right. they're interested in like who's going to win next year? Where are the stars going? Like is Golden State finally not going to be a brick wall? So yeah. it, it it's what the people are talking about. It's what media members have to ask about. It's what fans are going to be interested in. Get over. It. I I don't envy the media circuit in New York when when oh and God. if Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. <laughs> <laughs> have to give quotes every night it's yeah. it's truly like the worst possible fit except for like maybe Kawhi in new york just because Kawhi's so silent but like <laughs> <laughs> so they would just ask him questions and he would just sit there like stone-faced but aside from that like i mean i guess that might even be worse that Kyrie and kd will clap back whereas i don't think Kawhi would just he would just like not feed into it he would just stare dead eyes until someone else asked a question whereas you know KD had this three-minute rant against Ethan Sherwood-Strauss the other day. Oh, man. It, Kyrie and Kevin Durant on, on, a, on a New York media circuit for a year would be incredible in, such a, ter- in a terrible fet. Yeah. <laughs> Kyrie's got, like, the galaxy brain. So, like, a question yeah. about basketball becomes about the state of the world and consumerism. Right. And, people, and then Durant's got the victim mentality where, like, even this morning I was seeing, like, somebody asked him about him and Mark, Marvin Bagley having a back and forth. The other day, he's like, no, I got him five times. He got me once. And everyone <laughs> laughed, and he didn't laugh. And I'm like, dude, just you, take a breath. Like, you won the game. People were just asking you, like, don't – you said you wanted basketball questions. And he's like, so t- – he, he didn't – it wasn't a back and forth. He only got me once. I got him five times. How is that a back and forth? I'm like, yeah. he is the least fun guy <laughs> in the world, man. Like, you make $35 million a year to play basketball in the NBA, and people want to ask you about it. Like – chill like ah man yeah like you're about to almost guaranteed the three-peat like maybe yeah. just take a breather buddy <laughs> you, th- you think you could have more fun in that position than he's having honest like genuinely you just you, if i was winning that much i was making that much money and i was playing basketball every day i would i would be loving life i yeah. you know i just that's we, it speaks to the article that stress wrote it speaks yeah. to everything that everyone has said that he is just not loving it we, we say that because we don't have, like, millions of people tweeting snake emojis at us every day. Oh, this, th- that's another issue. Like, the what the media asks you versus, like, what fans say on social media is totally different. Because fans can be vile. People can be vile. I don't even know. I would probably never look at my mentions if I was an athlete. Never, oh, no. ever. Yeah. Yeah. Never. Yeah. I I don't I mean I, allegedly there's a way to like if you're verified you could only see what other verified people are saying and I feel like that would be the column I keep up but oh <laughs> my god I mean if you're an athlete your mentions just must be like constantly going like I don't even know how you could look at them like oh, if I was on TweetDeck yeah. it would just be like a never ending stream that I couldn't even like stop and look at one tweet it would just keep going down and down and down and you would only see you would only see the comments that pick up steam. Yeah. And and the ones that pick up Steve about Kevin Durant are often jokes about him and, you know, snake emojis and, <laughs> and all that stuff. So, yeah, it would suck. Don't get me wrong. Right. And I honestly have no problem with athletes coming out and blasting fans who conduct themselves in a rather crappy way. Mm-hmm. But then just do it from your actual account and 
don't don't lie about it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Don't, Maybe. don't smoke your former teammates in the process. <laughs> like, yeah. Talk to Brian Colangelo about how burner accounts go. Yeah, but uh, but honestly, if it, I mean, if you're a player and someone says something unfair about you and you want to combat it, like the one the one knock on Kevin Durant is like. Why does he care about what people think about him? Like, well, I care. I think most people care about what people think about them when things that are inaccurate or you feel are inaccurate are said about you. You want to correct them. So I have no problem with him coming out and defending himself. It's just the way that he's done it sometimes. And then the, I don't care what anyone thinks, as I like every tweet mentioning me this morning. (laughs) morning. (laughs) Yeah. Well, since we're talking about the Warriors, we we should talk about one actual on-court story this week. Uh, oh. and, and I think DeMarcus Cousins is that story because again, look like it's the people are working there. It's the flashback sale at mattress firm. We're celebrating the year we were founded with a special price from 1986, a flashback price of 169 on a new sleepies queen mattress. Plus get up to $400 off throwback deals on beds and Wednesday through Sunday, take home a free adjustable base with a purchase of just $599. But hurry in these awesome blast from the past savings won't last forever. Your budget stretches further at Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply valid at participating locations only. For offer details, visit mattressfirm.com slash sale. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Way back from the All-Star break, I think, like, the only guy who's played well, there, there's, like, two guys, Buddy Heald and Lloyd Marketing, and everyone else has been terrible. Uh. So I don't want to read too much into anyone's struggles so far, but... You know, Boogie made his debut a month ago at this point. The Warriors just uh, said his minutes limit is they're, they're willing to increase it at least. Like, I think it was limited to about 25 minutes a game prior to the break. Um, they're open to, it's like the next phase of his rehab. But he's started to struggle a little bit as of late. Um, you know, he didn't close the game against the Kings on Thursday and afterward... Uh, Draymond said, like, look, Boogie's getting frustrated. It's understandable. He wants to be out there, but sometimes like, sometimes we're going to have to rely on the death lineup. Sometimes I'm not going to be out there. Sometimes Iggy's not going to be out there. It just changes on a game-to-game basis. Um, you know, that said, in four of his last five games, he's had a minus, a negative plus-minus rating on the floor. He was a minus 17 last night against the Rockets <laughs> in that six-point loss without James Harden. It seems like his lateral quickness just isn't there, which is frankly understandable. He suffered a major injury and he was never that fleet of foot on defense anyway. But I do want to ask, you know, we, you mentioned the Warriors fatalism, like everyone assumes this three peats in the bag. Do you think no pun intended here, but do you think DeMarcus cousins could be their Achilles heel come playoff time? I, I don't like, I, I, I see the possibility, like, and I get his frustration. And the Kerr quote in the article that you sent me before we recorded sounded very like panicky Kerr, like, "Oh yeah, we understand. Of course we understand, and we support our guy. And like, let's just pour water on this fire before it really burns." And right. and I get it, but I I I think he's smarter than people give him credit for. Like, yeah, he's emotional. Yeah, he's not in the best shape of his career. Yeah, he's gonna sit some fourth quarters. He might sit more than that. Like in a real series against the Rockets when when Paul and Harden are playing the way that they play, which is switch till they get what they want and, Mm -hmm. you know, ISO, ISO, ISO. Like maybe he only plays 15 minutes a game in that series and he'll have to be okay. But I also think like this is a guy who said I'm worth max money and everyone said, no, you're not. Yeah. And so he said, I'm going to the Warriors. F you. I don't think he's going to put down that middle finger and turn it around on the Warriors. Like I think he's committed. He knew what this was. Kerr has said over and over they had an honest conversation about, you know, what would his role look like and everyone has to sec. I, I think he's smarter than people think, and I, I think while this will be hard for him and he'll get some texts before the end of the year, I think he'll figure it out and, and, and bow his head and, and do what the team asks him to do, you know, and what he's capable of. But that being said, like I think there will be some speed bumps between now and then and um 
you know, Dr- Draymond and him have similar personalities. Like, they're both competitive. They both get a little too hot. But Draymond's just been in the culture of winning. Boogie hasn't. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, when it gets to the playoffs and they smoke whoever they smoke in the first round, uh, he'll, he'll start to pick it up. He'll he'll figure it out. Winning is fun in the playoffs. <laughs> right, yeah. And, and, I mean, he hasn't experienced that, as you said. Like, that, I mean, that's the reason he signed with this team is, you know, like, I guess technically – he made it to the playoffs last year by virtue of being on the Pelicans, but he was hurt. Like he hasn't played in a playoff game yet. Having that opportunity is why he signed with the Warriors. Like, he, I mean, yes, he went ring chasing to some extent, but like he does give them an element they were missing in, you know, just a giant body who can actually gobble up rebounds. Like he could be a liability, as you said, defensively. I mean, he, he admitted it. Guys are attacking me in the pick and roll. It's obvious. I just got to be ready for it. Be prepared to it. Try to stay out of effing foul trouble is what he said last night. So, like, those are problems that he's had throughout his career. It, they're not, they didn't go away after he'd suffered a major injury. It's only exacerbated at this point. So, as you said, like, in certain matchups, he will be limited to fewer minutes than he would be in others. But, I mean... I'm not. I'm just not sounding the alarm on him yet. Like there's still almost two months until the playoffs. Whoever they face in the first round, I just don't think they have anyone to be scared of down there. Like the Kings are super fun. Like I, I hope it's the Kings and the Warriors in the first round. Me too, for sure. But, yeah, me too. But I don't think, you know, I, I just don't think that's a, a matchup the Warriors fear. I don't think the Warriors have anyone they fear in the West really. I mean, I don't think the Warriors have anyone they fear in either conference, but like if I'm the Warriors, the the scariest team in the league that isn't me is the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, and I, I mean, like via their quotes, they think it's Boston, but Boston has their own warts to work on. And <laughs> I mean, honestly, I wouldn't be scared of anyone. Like, why would like Boogie's just an extra? Like that's yeah. the thing. Like Boogie was always just an extra, and if it isn't working, you can sit him. Yeah. Hell, if if it goes the worst case, and he throws a tantrum and he punches somebody like uh, whatever send him away from the team you still have a team that won back-to-back titles and i it's just it's such a position of wealth that it, it's it's hard to fathom and i think like kurt will figure it out kurt will stagger him more and mm-hmm. think about some of the kurt lineups we've seen in the playoffs over the years where both durant and curry sit and they're running the offense for like kevon looney and right. <laughs> nick young and other people like let Boogie have that eight minutes. Let him have that six minutes and just feed him. And if he scores four points on six possessions, oh, well, he got his touches. Like, whatever you have to do that works, like, let him, when you get Portland again, and Portland, we have to watch you smack Portland for the <laughs> right. 18th time this decade, <laughs> let him just beat up on Myers Leonard and Ennis Cantor or whatever when they roll those guys out. Like, I think there's a way to do it. I think Kerr's a very smart coach. I think he's a good manager of personalities. Mm-hmm. He's done a really good job there with Draymond and some of those other guys. I think it'll be fine. But like, I also think people like myself would love to see the Warriors fall on their face and and end this reign of terror. So yeah. they're like, oh yeah, let's hope Boogie just combusts. Let's hope Boogie is the chaos we need to end the Warriors. <laughs> I just right. I don't think so. Like he didn't go there because he thought he was going to be their MVP. He went there because he was mad at everyone else. Was like. Screw it. If I can't have my money, I'm going to win a ring. Like, yeah. Gonna, you know? And so there he is. Right. And, like, yeah, I mean, I, I think you brought up a really good point about Kerr and that as good of as he is in terms of, like, in-game management, I think his biggest asset is his ability to manage personalities. And, and I think that will be especially vol- or valuable with a volatile guy like Cousins. But as you said, too, like, he's – I mean, he's a free agent this summer. The Warriors can only retain him effectively if KD and Clay both leave because they, they're just limited in what they can offer him if they're over the cap. So he's playing for his next contract. Like, he has to be on his best behavior, and he knows that. He's a smart guy. Mm-hmm. Like, he knows that, you know, if I want to get the money I, I think I'm owed this summer, like, I need to prove that I can contribute in whatever role they ask me to do, and I could do it you know willingly i'm not like grumbling in private or public about it to me i think his comments last night and the other day and like draymond green's comments about him being frustrated it feels to me like he's just frustrated more with himself than he is with 
Kerr and with the rest of the Warriors. Like, I think he understands the situation. I just think he's, like, bummed that he's still not back to being, you know, the 25, 10, and 5 guy that he was prior to his injury, which makes sense. Like, it sucks to... I just think we, in general, like, underplay how hard it is for these guys to come back from major injuries. And the same thing's happening with Gordon Hayward. Like, you know, Boston fans have been all over him this year. He's coming back from, like, his ankle pointing the wrong way like it's a really tough thing to come back from to have faith in your body and you know when you're an athlete like that's your entire your your entire sense of purpose is do I have trust in my body to do the things that it was able to do at one point it takes a yeah. lot of time yeah for like for sure for sure and, and like that, that's you know something with society is like if you're emotional, you're not smart. Like, he can be emotional and be smart and be aware. Like, mm-hmm. he's emotional because, he, you know, he went through a terrible injury and he wants to come back and be a superhero on the court, and he's not there yet. Like, he's moving like an ant defensively and moving <laughs> like tree beard on defense in today's pace and space NBA is not great. But, you know, maybe he'll get back. And, and, and again, like, if this is who he is and if he's never going, you know, like you said, he's never been fleet of foot, but if he's always going to be a mobile wreck for the rest of his career like he needs to show that he can bow his head and be a team guy and there's still a role for someone with his size and skill set you know for 20-25 minutes a night even if he can't move his feet so long as he's a team player and so like Mm -hmm. I'm sure he knows that if he doesn't know I'm sure his agent knows that if his agent doesn't know I'm sure Kerr knows that like you know there are a lot of smart people working around the NBA right right exactly and as you said like even if you can't match up with a Montrez Harrell like, put him against Portland, and he's yeah. got Yusuf Nurkic and Ennis Cantor for 48 minutes a game. Like, he will be immensely useful in that series. I think he's going to be a matchup-by-matchup guy. And, you know, in the West, putting him against a Nikola Jokic would be interesting. I don't know how how well he will fare in that matchup. But against, like, a big bruiser like Steven Adams or like Nurkic, like a Rudy Gobert, guys who can't stretch the floor, guys who you don't really fear... You know, like, you would encourage them to take mid-range two-pointers. Like, that's the best possible scenario. So I think in those types of matchups, he's going to have plenty of value. And I think the rest of the regular season for the Warriors, they don't care about seeding. I mean, if they follow the two-seed, they don't care. They're not falling below two. The rest of the regular season is just getting DeMarcus Cousins comfortable with the rest of their starting lineup and just in general. Because if he's, you know, if he rounds more back into form over these next two months... They're gonna enter the favorites as, or enter the playoffs as overwhelming favorites. Yeah, uh, more so than already. <laughs> right, more, right. And and here's my thing too, and this is like kind of another direction, but like I'm a big believer that the NBA is headed to a five wing league. Mm-hmm. Like I think I think the NBA is like Ben Simmons is what people are hoping for one to five, like guys yeah. that can do everything, switch all over. And I watched Rudy Gobert, who was the Defensive Player of the Year, get played off the floor in the PNR. You know, I watched Joel Embiid get played off the floor against Boston. Like, if the best defensive bigs in the NBA can get exposed in the pick and roll and in isolation and on switches, then, like, so did, then of course DeMarcus Cousins can. Of course Yusuf Nurkic can. That It's just maximizing the time that you're out there and the matchups that you have. And that's, you know, a big part of the NBA today. So I, I don't think... I'm not even worried about the lateral movement so much as like like you said like is he is his temperament okay and I if this was a situation where he thought 20 points was his only way to money then I'd worry but I think mm-hmm. he has talked this through and thought this through and and they're going to be okay. I mean it would take a titanic moment for the Warriors to really screw this up. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I <laughs> I think the league is shifting toward Ben Simmons as long <laughs> as he isn't a coward. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's the trick it's funny because like that that smack talk with him and Nurkic oh my uh, god it's like Ben is a great player like I feel like <laughs> the coward comments have gone so far as like people think Ben's like overrated or not that good like right I would take Ben Simmons if we did a, a redraft right now in my top 12 I think he's that talented mm-hmm. but he's also a very big target so long as he doesn't <laughs> want to shoot right. and so for him to talk any smack it's just going to turn out terribly for him because he is the most visible flaw of any player in the NBA but that said I mean he's still tremendous in that game he had yeah. what 27 12 and 6 in the losing yeah. effort like yeah, whatever like that. yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, I, I didn't even watch the game yesterday because I knew what was going to happen, and I was like, "This is a mental health day for me." Just <laughs> no need to spend two hours on that. But then when I came back home and saw that quote, I was like, "Oh my god! How did I?" I, I can only imagine Twitter's reaction when that video first popped up. Yeah. I. <laughs> I mean, good for him for talking that trash. It's, yeah. It's entertaining to me, but like, you got to know when you when you can't when when teams play a five guys in the key defense against you <laughs> right. it's gonna come back rather quickly like yeah. Uh, yeah if nothing else i feel like that probably endeared him more to mb than anything yet yeah i feel like mb <laughs> was like oh okay we're simpatico we can make this work long term ben all right yeah uh, <laughs> well i think that's a good place to wrap up so josh thanks again for joining us today uh one more time could you let our listeners know where to find you on twitter and where to find your work yeah, I'm on Twitter at Josh Eberly, and all of my stuff goes to NBA Canada or Hoop Hoop Magazine. So give me a follow and check out my pod and check out my stuff. And Brian, thanks for having me on. Mort, thanks for being sick. <laughs> <laughs> we'll definitely have you back on again when Mort is feeling better. The, uh, I think the <laughs> flu has wiped out his house for the week, which is no good. But yeah, we'll, we'll, everyone keep Mort in your and your thoughts he will be back soon but yeah josh thanks for joining us a uh, reminder that you can follow us on twitter at the nba pod in our tw- uh, bio you can find our twitter handles to so give us a follow as well you can also find us on itunes so please subscribe download leave some five-star reviews and we're now being hosted on spreaker so check them out on twitter at spreaker until next time i'm brian taporic and i was joined today by josh epperly josh have a good one man Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance.